Greetings, dear friends. We are sincerely happy to welcome you again. Today we will have a conversation with the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Hello. Igor Mikhailovich, in the previous video we discussed the subject of distributing attention. And we said that if a human doesn't understand his nature, if he doesn't understand the importance and value of time and attention, he simply wastes his life and demons live instead of him. While a human himself as personality is on the sidelines of life and watches how this very life passes by him. Meanwhile, the task and meaning of life for each of us is actually under these conditions, sometimes hellish ones, when the system severely attacks to harden the angel, so that through love a person would connect with the spiritual world and would later on go to God. For this purpose, every day a person should not fall down, should not listen to demons in his head, but should remain a true human in everything and always. Right. And remain his true self. As a matter of fact, regarding the question of who is my true self, we receive a lot of questions on this subject from our friends. And we realize that in their lives, everyone faced the question, who am I if I'm absolutely different with different people? After all, our behavior essentially varies depending on who is near us. Therefore, a person always wonders, why do we behave like this? Why are we different with different people? Why does our behavior and our attitude to people change so much as if a completely different person is activated? What is that? Is it merely our desire to be liked by other people? Or is there something greater behind it? Perhaps we are such multifarious, diverse and multifaceted personalities? Or on the contrary, does this indicate that there is no inner core in a person? For example, given that he is so unstable in various situations, what does the fact that we are so different with different people indicate? Well, I think it merely indicates that we are ordinary people. And in order to understand this, you should just look a little bit into yourself, into your behavior. Look, or rather, observe yourself, so to say. And it would be good to look from a side. Of course, if you have an experience of an observer, then observe how you behave, how your consciousness behaves, my friend, in various situations. Do you know what this will lead to? to a point that any person, by observing himself, how he changes in one or another situation. And indeed, people notice and ask these questions. You know, this is wonderful. It's wonderful that people are maturing, that they already begin to see simple, basic things, so to say. But they do see them, whereas before they didn't see that. After all, ask a person who is far from the knowledge and even more so from practice, does he change during the day? Well, yes, depending on my mood or something else. While in actual fact, friends, we, you know, let's say there is such a very ancient profession to sell oneself. So, when we meet different people, we always sell ourselves. This is exactly the most ancient profession and not what you've just thought. Isn't this true? It is. With friends, we behave in one way. Moreover, in one and the same group, we may be the life and soul of the party throughout our lives. In another group, we may be very mirthless, reasonable, and serious. While in a third group, we may be doormats. That's the way we are. And it's normal.
You know, it's just that our friends really point out that they distinctly feel this division in themselves. However, you see, they encounter the following. It is one thing when a person might not trust other people or expect some kind of setup from them, so to say. But it's another thing when he doesn't trust himself because he sees how suddenly someone activates. And there is always a question who that is, who your true self is. Well, who is your true self? The most important question on the spiritual path is, who are you, right? When you answer it, all other questions already become secondary. And let's say, when a person understands who he really is, all the doors open before him, including the heavenly gate. Why? Because he no longer does those stupid things which he does in everyday life without understanding and knowing, playing the role of either one imp or the other. I mean, primary consciousness and secondary consciousness, because these are the most important manipulators. Now, let's look, for instance, a person behaves in one way with his management, in another way with subordinates, while at home he behaves in a third way, and even at home he may behave completely differently with different family members. Thus, a person is never stable and identical everywhere. Even if there are such people, excuse me, that's banal idiocy. I'm sorry, friends, but this is true. It's a mental disorder when a person is fixated on himself. There is one demon, and that's all. Usually we have a fight. I mean, what is the cause of all this? primary consciousness and secondary consciousness. As personality, we do not perceive three-dimensionality at all. We observe this world through intermediaries, so to say. And those intermediaries simply manipulate us. They often involve us in the process itself, and we already perceive ourselves as a body. We perceive ourselves as primary consciousness or secondary consciousness, especially if we are preoccupied with some problem which primary consciousness has foisted on us. For example, let's say, it tells you that you're sick or something else. It doesn't matter what hurts in your body. Your hair hurts, whatever, but you become fixated. My hair hurts, and that's it. Yes, some people will say, hair cannot hurt. It cannot. There are no nerve endings. But if primary consciousness wants it to hurt, it will hurt. And we won't get away from that. Because as personality, we do not perceive. We have no signal system at all which would connect us with the body, except primary consciousness. So exactly through it, we get everything. When we find ourselves in severe conditions, let's say, where we are forced to endure prolonged pain and suffering and do not see any prospect, it would seem we can adapt, right? But if this pain and suffering alternate and change and there is a panic state of primary consciousness, then we get involved and experience it as something independent. If we control ourselves as personality, all we have to do is disconnect and we will rest somewhere on the beach at the time when the body and primary consciousness suffer. Everything is very simple. Indeed, it was very surprising when people who were very timid, maybe even outsiders in a group, suddenly, for the sake of attention, were ready to overcome some fears of theirs, to become authoritative and authoritarian people. You know, and on the contrary, even those who… You know, Tatiana, I'll even tell you that they don't overcome their fears. Let's say, it's not that they don't overcome these fears. They even don't have them while being in another group. 
I mean, a person gets into a certain group and a certain type of behavior, let's put it this way, that is, his role in this group starts forming. Why? If a group has already been formed, it means that there is a certain tradition. There are some rules. Someone is subordinate to someone. This is really so. If we look at the situation from a slightly different perspective, from the perspective of the invisible world, by means of ordinary eyes, so to say, then everything is very simple. The older and stronger demon always dominates the younger ones. A promising imp, so to say, who can grow in this group, such demons begin to compete with a strong demon. So, when a person gets into a new group, so to say, he is instantly evaluated. And if he doesn't earn an authority, he will be assigned kind of a lower position, let's say. Why? Depending on his demon, if his demon is progressive, that is, if he is capable of growth and the person feeds him, Naturally, he can immediately gain some points in that group. But if a person gets into a group with a strong demon, a serious dictator, then other demons, let's say, bow before him. And that's how a person earns authority in a new group. Now let's imagine a certain group has formed, okay? Everyone has their own roles. But there is a promising demon who is capable of growth but he won't succeed in this group. Why? Because there are older demons, stronger ones, and they dominate him. But as soon as he gets into another group, where demons are weaker, so to say, he immediately starts dominating them. How many of such cases are there in history? Plenty. We have considered it from a slightly mythical perspective or from a religious one, so to say. But it's the easiest way to understand how it happens. If you look at it from this perspective, then everything falls into place. My friends, I offer you to conduct the following experiment. Let's say, there will be holidays soon, and everyone will meet. Regardless of a situation, holidays are holidays anyway. And often this implies feasts, gathering of friends, relatives, and the like. Yet just try to observe, abstract yourself as a personality from all this bustle, and just look at people's relationships. Remove this stereotype of relatives, close ones, friends, bosses, or someone else. Just by abstracting yourself from that, observe the group you will be in, so to say, and you will see how these shadows dominate people. I mean, it's very easy to feel that, especially for those of our friends who have spiritual experience and who are already able to perceive the invisible world, at least intuitively. And it is even better when they are able to observe it from the personality's perspective. Everything falls into place. That is, you know, like people say, a person who is authoritative, smart, educated, he may dominate. Or, on the contrary, he is charismatic, rude, strong, and everyone is afraid of him. Or let's make it simpler, okay? Two professors and one criminal are sitting together. Who will dominate whom? In this case, it's a good question. Will it be the repeat offender and thug who was imprisoned many times and is used to having tough conversations with his opponents? Or a couple of scientists are sitting, sort of nerds, 
Well, it's clear that the thug is supposed to dominate, while I will say that even a waiter may dominate if it takes place somewhere in a cafe, because he has seen enough of such people, and he knows how to deal with them, and he receives a lot more attention than those very scientists or that very prisoner. Why? Because being a waiter, depending on his charisma, he can either bow down to other demons, or he can dominate them by attracting and gathering attention. You see? He gets not only a wage and tips, but the most important thing, attention. Our world is not as simple as it seems. It is both complicated and simple at the same time. If we look from our usual three-dimensional perspective, where we chase after material benefits, where we want to find a better place for ourselves, where we would work less and earn more, so that we are warm, have enough light and food. That's one side. But there's another side that prevails over this side, this desire to find a good place. It is all primary consciousness, to make a nest, you know, create a quiet abode, and that kind of thing. But this applies merely to an imp. And depending on how strong he is, he dominates not only personality and not only, let's say, secondary consciousness, but also those around him. And there is always a dominant demon in every person, always, no matter what you do. No, I don't agree here with no matter what you do. It is possible to change that. I mean, either primary consciousness dominates or secondary consciousness does. But in fact, if there is dominance of primary consciousness in a person, but the person wants his secondary consciousness to dominate, he wants to develop intellectually. He has seen someone his mirror neurons have triggered. He wants to be the same as some lecturer somewhere who gave some lecture. He was present at some event. An innovator. Yes, an innovator, to attract attention and collect more vril power, so to say. And so, he has such an idea, whereas here, primary consciousness has dominated all his life, which has made him simpler, dumber, more careful, you know? Such a little homey conservative. Is it possible to change this? Of course it is, easily. But it takes time. As a rule, if a person knows what he does, knows and understands how to develop it all, it will still take from 9 to 14 months. But a person can change this and raise a stronger demon. You see? Igor Mikhailovich, we have touched upon a topic. Just now you were talking about a conservative and an innovator. You know, I was very interested in research when scientists wanted to understand how people form their political orientation in general. In particular, there was research that studied conservatives and liberals. And it was mentioned there that political orientation is essentially determined by physiology, that conservatives are people who well, they have a greater response to fright, for example, that the amygdala in their brain is bigger, that even if these people don't admit that they are frightened or they are sincerely convinced of their courage, still their brain shows something completely different. So, are such political attitudes actually determined by our physiology or not? Yes, they are. If we take politicians, let's take, for example, the Republicans and the Democrats in one well-known country, so to say. Republicans are more conservative. Well, yes. They support inner development. Yes. They are calmer, whereas Democrats are hawks. They are sort of like… Democracy should be all over the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Democracy should be everywhere, and so forth. 
So if we look reasonably from the outside, with the exception of those people who don't care where to belong as long as it is profitable. You know, there are such types of people who are both here and there, but still, they are dominated by primary, not secondary consciousness. Then I would divide them in the following way. Republicans are people who are mainly dominated by primary consciousness, while Democrats are those who are dominated by secondary consciousness. But there may be substitutions here. I mean, primary consciousness, if it's a very strong, such a serious demon, it can drive secondary consciousness in order for it to accumulate experience, practice, cunning, theatricality, and everything else. But still, the primary one will dominate. It will force the secondary one, you know? Let's just say… To attain comfort. I'll give you a simple example. If we look at how a pride of lions lives in the wild. As a rule, they live around one or more packs of animals, deer or something else, and they kind of herd and protect them. Why? It's their food. So if you observed, there is a pride lying. A lion and lionesses are lying, while goats are walking next to them, stepping over them, grazing and so forth, and no one touches them. Why? Because it is prey of the lions, it is their food, and they, on the contrary, guard it, and as long as they are fed, they won't hurt anyone. This is exactly the point. When primary consciousness is very strong, but it needs to achieve some benefits for itself in order to solve its problems, for instance, to improve the house or something else, you know, that kind of thing. Again, what is primary consciousness? It is selfishness, narcissism, and all our, let's say, bad manifestations in this world. That's what primary consciousness is. What is secondary consciousness? How does it manifest itself in everyday life? In everyday life? I mean, we know that it's a variety of thoughts, secondary consciousness. Okay, let me give you an example from everyday life, a simple one. Let's imagine that a shelf or a door has warped in the kitchen. You open it, and it needs repairing, for example. What does primary consciousness do? It takes a screwdriver and simply tightens a bolt on the hinge to straighten the door itself. What does secondary consciousness do? It accesses the internet, opens the design of this hinge, and starts watching for a whole week or more how to adjust this hinge correctly before it takes a screwdriver and simply tightens it. That's the difference. Also, how can we identify what type of person is? Namely, what predominates in him? Primary or secondary consciousness? You can tell that easily by just visiting a person's home. If you go in and he has everything lying in its place, pencils are arranged in a proper order, in a line, everything is clean, everywhere. Every little cloth in the kitchen is in its place. Everything is perfect. This is primary consciousness. Why? It gives a person no rest when something is out of place. Whereas if you enter a house, let's say, and everything is like among normal students, everything is as usual, that's secondary consciousness. Why? Because a person doesn't live by this hearth, by the house. He lives by completely different things. He is in creative search, and he has a much broader interest. Here's a simple example. Okay? If we come up to the work desk of a genius and a pseudo-genius, do you know what the difference will be? No. A pseudo-genius who is dominated by primary consciousness. In fact, if a person is dominated by primary consciousness, he can never be a genius. This is a fact. He will be too lazy. 
He will have the potential, easily, but he won't be able to fulfill it. But since his mirror neurons function, he sees how other people become, let's say, authoritative and outstanding, and he wants glory too. What do such people do? They also begin to write some works and achieve something. Again, those who have a dominant primary consciousness are very ambitious careerists, and they are very lazy. They are very cruel to their subordinates and very subservient to their bosses. This is primary consciousness. Such people are opportunists. By the way, there are plenty of them in politics. Here's a simple example for you. As well as in science, as you said, that's the reason why any academician may be a child. Yes, of course. With the activation. And again, his desk will be in perfect order. As a rule, his desk is practically empty because all the books on the shelves are in a row, everything is neat and tidy. He sits down, works for five minutes, writes his name somewhere on someone else's paper, as a rule, and that's it. Thus, he has everything clean and tidy. If we approach the desk, the work desk of a real genius, everything will be messed up. In chaos. Literally, in chaos. But this chaos will be extremely orderly, and God forbid someone moves at least anything. Why? Because he has everything laid out the way it is convenient for him. It can lie for months while the person is working, or he may be working on some kind of scientific research or something else. He may have reference books and whatnot lying around. Regardless of the fact that nowadays we have gadgets, we have the internet, and everything seems to be available. In actual fact, very few books, especially professional, necessary scientific books, have been digitized. Therefore, oftentimes, well, not even oftentimes, but quite often, modern research officers, the true ones, still have a lot of books lying around them. And what about this passion for change, if we talk about housewives? Again, yes, housewives. Let's take housewives. Here's a simple example. If a woman's husband has bruised toes, it means she has a dominant secondary consciousness. Do you know why? How to draw this parallel? Because she cannot be idle. She starts moving something every week. Furniture, for instance, you see? She is constantly prone to change. She needs to move the furniture to make some kind of rearrangement, to swap curtains, or to turn them upside down, whatever at least to turn a chandelier inside out, but something is needed. Why? Because she gets fed up with everything. She is bored. She needs changes. She's in a permanent search of novelty, and so on. This is secondary consciousness. It doesn't let a person live in peace. Whereas if you come once, then the second time, after five years you come again, and a housewife has everything in its place, this is primary consciousness. You see how simple everything is. Yes, it's very interesting. Igor Mikhailovich, also going back to the example with a screwdriver, one understands that people's inactivity is determined differently by the activation of primary and secondary consciousness. Right? I mean, if a person… Right. Mm -hmm. But there is a difference here. I'll say it once again. Primary consciousness, yes, it can drive screws. It can learn elementary, simple things, but it is unable to create. It has no creativity, you see? In other words, primary consciousness is extremely limited, and it limits a person himself. It doesn't let secondary consciousness develop if it is very dominant. It can allow a person to acquire almost any specialty, right? A person may be a doctor, he may be anyone, an artist or a poet, it doesn't matter. 
The only question is what his role will be in this creativity, so to say. Will he become a genius? Will he be a Pushkin? No. Why? Because Pushkin was a genius. You see? He didn't pay attention to those very literary phrases. He introduced his own words, and quite boldly. Why? The activity of secondary consciousness. When he was composing verses, if it didn't work out for him, he just went ahead and created his own word. Is primary consciousness able to do that? No. It is very conservative. There are rules. So, yes, as a rule, bureaucrats, you know, including those in science and in that very poetry, they are all with a dominant primary consciousness. You do understand. Friends, I mean those nerdy, mean people, bring me this paper or that paper, and he doesn't care. As a rule, they have such jobs where they can simply terrorize other people, you see? Because of a piece of paper or something else, that paper is not needed at all, by and large. But if he can request it, he'll request it. Also, very often, I come back to bureaucrats. It's just that I've seen a lot of such people. And there are some friends who are prone to it, so to say. A person would even be in a high position, but he would always shovel everything to himself. He has such a nature. Not because he is bad, so to speak, no. It's just that primary consciousness predominates and would never do anything new. On the contrary, a person will insist that everything should remain conservative, nothing should be changed, at least in the part of work or production entrusted to him, whatever area he is responsible for. He won't change anything. Whereas, if secondary consciousness predominates in a person, that's where there is a flight of creativity. People would crossbreed, whatever, a squirrel and some kind of a boar. It's actually interesting how boars jump on trees, you see? But it's not clear what for. It is not clear, but secondary consciousness never makes primary conclusions, while primary consciousness will precisely think about why do we need to crossbreed a squirrel with a boar? What will it be? Will it be a hairy pig or will it be a fat squirrel? You see? It will start philosophizing. Why do it? That is, it will break trees. You see, a big fat squirrel climbs on trees, and primary consciousness will say, hunters will have a problem, all the acorns will be eaten, now they wait for them to fall. But this way, they will jump themselves. You see? They always find what to say. While secondary consciousness, on the contrary, tends towards experimenting. So as they say, what is better, primary consciousness or secondary one? Balance, friends. The best is balance, and the best is to have a developed personality, whereas both primary and secondary consciousness should be in the service of personality. That is, a human should subdue those demons. You see, we are already approaching the fact that there is not just one demon in a human, yet there is always a dominant one. So in order for demons not to dominate personality, personality must dominate demons, and they must be obedient and tame. Why? Because it is precisely you as personality who feed those parasites. Well, on the one hand, some people will say, what about parasites? It's impossible to live without them. Yes, it's impossible. But all their activities, so to say, boil down to one thing, to consume. Both primary and secondary consciousnesses are consumers, and they have nothing sacred. And they are completely disinclined to religion or anything else. This is really true. They can pretend. Well, my friends, haven't you seen, let's say, 
people who are fanatically devoted to some religion, who stand up for that religion, but in fact, they are full of sins, you know? As it is said, it's better to share bread with an executioner than with such a fanatical person. Isn't this true? It is true. So everything is simple. A human must develop as personality, and these demons must serve a human. They must be in slavery to a human as personality, because a human feeds them. He feeds them with his life. However, if they dominate, a human will not have life. He'll live his whole life. Yes, I agree, life may be bright. A person may be a Nobel Prize winner. His whole life is cheerful and beautiful. I don't know, he is on stage, everybody loves him, and so on. But what is next? Human life is actually so short, it passes like an instant. And if a person doesn't understand that, it's a problem. Yet, he cannot understand that from the position of primary consciousness. It doesn't understand time. And especially secondary consciousness doesn't understand time. It doesn't perceive it. Personality poorly perceives time too. Why? Because it is nothing but a reflection of eternity, and it must return to eternity. But in any case, personality feels loss and prospects. And this is important. That's why everything good comes from personality. Conscience, love, it is all from personality. That which is even able to overpower both primary and secondary consciousness. You know, when you meet people who say, let's put it carefully, they do the job even by taking other people's lives. But when their conscience wakes up, even their hand stops. And the question is, how can such a thing happen? After all, it is their job. They are sort of inhumane. No, friends. As long as a human is alive, as long as he has a soul, he is human and can change a lot. That's the truth. It is clear that if he took a lot of lives, or he took someone's life for his own benefit in general, of course he won't be able to attain heaven. But at least by doing a lot of good, a human can gain peace, whereas peace means a lot. So no one but Personality knows what it is, neither primary consciousness nor secondary consciousness. Why? Because what is hell? And what is scary for a human as Personality is heaven for them. Why? Because they will be in their habitual demonic environment. They will continue to dominate over Personality in exactly the same way. It's just that, later on, Personality gains its own understanding, and Sub-Personality clearly understands that it is Personality, that there are those demons which are definitely no longer a part of the human, but they continue to dominate as they control memory and many other things. Let's say, emotions, because Subpersonality has emotions. Yes, it has no body, no chemical reactions, but, you know, the body is gone, but pain remains. And that's the paradox which primary consciousness precisely causes. It replays various combinations, reconstructing one or another situation to the smallest detail where a person did something wrong for which he is now being punished. 
Secondary consciousness will tell him how he should have acted, and it will be like that for centuries, billions of times. It's like adding insult to injury. That's why peace is much better for personality than suffering. You see how simple everything is. And everything is in our hands. We understand. Absolutely. There is an option. You either serve consciousness and it actually runs you aground. Surely. Or it throws you somewhere onto the reefs, like a ship. Or these consciousnesses serve you as personality. And any generation of ideas goes in the direction that personality, a human as personality, sets. In any case, personality finances and pays for all this. Yes, right. And personality is actually the ordering party of it all. For example, a person is a creative individual, okay? Consciousness begins to create, and it actually creates. It creates in everyone, even in lazy bones. Really. Who hasn't had ideas arising in his head? This is when malfunctions occur, you know? Let's say, any equipment glitches. And that's where this balance is disturbed sometimes. Even if a person is, let's say, on primary consciousness, everything is as it should be. He's a conservative, he is always lazy, he is dissatisfied with everybody, he wants to be left alone, but at the same time, praised by everyone. But suddenly, when he encounters something, let's say, a bicycle, pictures begin to form in his head, all by themselves, about how he can improve the bicycle, how he can make. He doesn't ride it at all. He saw it on TV or on the internet. Kids are riding bicycles. He doesn't order that, but he simply paid attention to a bicycle. For example, a mountain one. Kids are riding down the slopes. And secondary consciousness activates, which begins to flood him with different pictures and ideas of how this bicycle can be upgraded, and so on. And a person will spend an hour or two, sitting or lying, it doesn't matter. And he will be analyzing in his head how he can change the tire tread, how it will grip the ground better, how to improve shock absorption so that it doesn't affect the biomechanics of a human, so that the capsules with the synovial fluid wouldn't be destroyed in children's large joints when their bicycles hit the ground, and so that small joints wouldn't suffer either. You know? Sort of biomechanics is activated plus the mechanics of the bicycle. Then after two hours, the person suddenly recalls that he doesn't even know how to ride a bike, and he has never been an innovator. And why would he need that, you know? Secondary consciousness takes what belongs to it, but imagine, for two hours of his life, the person was pondering something he doesn't need at all. Who hasn't encountered that, friends? I have exaggerated a little bit. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll spend two hours analyzing a bicycle, which you, my friend, won't be making. But this happens quite often. I simply understand that if we translate the topic of our conversation today into the topic of building the creative society, it becomes clear how actually differently, while sometimes in tandem, both the primary and the secondary consciousness stop a person from either informing about a creative society or… Let's put it simply. At the primary stage of informing, consciousness surely interferes. Primary consciousness says, how will this person react? Do you really need that? Or, you will phone him tomorrow, you already have something to do. Why don't you lie down and watch a movie, right? Why would you call your friends? Imagine if you got a call right now and someone started telling you about the Creative Society, right? And so forth. While on the other hand, secondary consciousness turns on and already starts dreaming about how good it would be if there was a replicator, or how good it would be if there was an FFG, right? When you have free energy, when you don't need anything, 
You don't have to run to work to make money. You already have everything in abundance, you see? But at the same time, primary consciousness immobilizes you, you see? While some people, vice versa, those who are, let's say, pushed by that very primary consciousness, it tells them, run, do something. Why? Because in the creative society, you will get such and such benefits. Comfort. Right, comfort. Mm -hmm. And you will actually solve your problems. It tells a person, hurry up and do it. And a person is getting ready. At this point, secondary consciousness steps in and says, fine, but before you run, let's sit and talk. Let's think about how you're going to communicate with that person. In both the primary and the secondary ones, especially in such promising endeavors, often take away our life. Instead of doing, just picking up the phone and calling and making these demons work for you. You keep paying for this theater. They are performing to you. You think that you are actively engaged, but at the same time you do nothing. That is, the efficiency of your action is zero. You've spent hours or even months of your life, but there is no effect, because you've done nothing. You see how simple everything is. So, friends, you should control these little demons. Yes, they really exist, and each of you can see that for yourself by just observing. Everything is simple. Very simple. But on the other hand, you can turn them into wonderful helpers. Yet, they will only ever work for a cookie. This must be understood. You know, there are animals that take part in performances, especially wild animals, such big ones, bears and tigers. They perform in circuses and do some stunts or even ride bicycles. But if you don't feed them, will they do it? That's the answer. Right? Right. Then they won't even be afraid of a whip. Therefore, they have to be fed. And for a dainty, that is, for extra food, they will serve a human, entertain him. So will these demons. You should feed them for bringing you benefit, not because they take away and eat your life and live instead of you. And if you don't want to be a slave, their slave, after the death of the physical body, right now, go ahead and train them and don't give them any slack, then everything will be fine. Meanwhile, personality should generate love and strive for home, for eternity, for God's world. Let's say, for where it came from, no matter how you slice it, were it not for God's Spirit, personality wouldn't have been formed, right? Therefore, love is natural for personality. So, friends, let us love one another. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, friends. Peace be with you.